You are listening to Legally Binding, a podcast brought to you by Jackson Corporate Law that is all about providing the business community with useful and practical legal tips and advice for growing and sustaining business ventures. For more information, please feel free to visit our website at www.jacksoncorporatelaw.com. We hope you enjoy. So, uh, so today what we're going to talk about is uh, restrictive covenants. And so what that means is um, you own a business, you employ people, people have access to your ideas. How do you get them from joining a competitor when they leave? Or how do you get them to stop, um, to not take your, uh, your employees or any of your, your trade secrets when you leave? So typically when, somebody enter, when you hire somebody or when you have somebody come to work with you, you have some documents that control what's going on. You have a non-disclosure agreement, maybe you have an employee handbook, um, and for some employees you may actually have them sign a contract. And within these contracts, um, or within this employee, within your employee handbook, there are certain things that you need to make sure that you have. So, um, when you're looking at a restrictive covenant, most people think about non-compete clauses. And so, a non-compete clause is when you're saying that after you stop working for me, you're not able to go work for any competitor for a certain amount of time doing X, Y, and Z. The issue that individuals run into with non-compete clauses is that they don't know how to properly draft them. And so one of the articles that I wrote on LinkedIn was um, the top five reasons why your non-compete is probably invalid. And so we're going to go... I like that because that yeah. means that I can leave my job and... Uh not have to hold right. up the and, and not Right, exactly. And so we're going to talk about a few of those today so that business owners out there who are trying to ensure that their non-competes are valid can, can listen to this and draft them accordingly. So um, so the, the three things that you have to take into account when you're drafting non-compete clauses is the geographic scope, um, the, the limitation of services, and the time frame that you are, that you're stating um, where they can engage in these certain activities. So when you're looking at geographic scope, um, that is really dependent on the types of services that you have. So you can't block somebody from engaging in the sale of insurance throughout the United States of America because that is not a reasonable geographic scope. When you're doing this, you have to look at what is the legitimate business interest that you are trying to protect. So when you're when you're crafting this, know that you have to be you have to limit the geographic scope to a certain neighborhood, to a certain state, um, to certain territories that were within the contract that you that you operated in. Make sure that you're drafting it reasonable so that it can be upheld. And what I tell people is that um, look at your client base, look at where they are mostly located and try to draft your uh, non-compete as it pertains to the geographic scope around that. The second thing, uh, reasonable in, in, uh, in time. So you can't block them for two to three years. Um, typically it's, uh, it's a year because the court wants to make sure that the person's livelihood is not unduly uh, restricted. Um, the, the other thing that you have to look at is what are the services that you're restricting? Um, if, if someone's been in healthcare sales their whole life, um, you can't restrict them from the entire field of healthcare sales. You have to look at their the specific services and what specifically you are afraid of them going and taking to a competitor that's in a local geographic market and say, okay, well, I don't want you to compete with me in that particular service area. So, um, so the, the scope of services is something that's just as important as the geographic scope and as the time. But um, there's a, something that people don't know, right? And that's a few, that's a few ways that, um, that non-competes don't hold up. And now that's what I want to know about. Right. 
So one of the most unknown things about non-competes holding up is that um, two things, uh, time. So generally, if you don't work for a company for two years continuously within the state of Illinois, it is really tough to uphold a non-compete clause. So if you're working for someone for a year and you get fired or you quit, it's harder for them to uphold that non-compete, mostly if you quit. The second thing is if you get fired without cause, meaning they don't have a reason for firing you, they're just downsizing, then they cannot uphold that non-compete clause. So there are a lot of people who get laid off, downsized, um, or just terminated without clause, and they feel like they have to stay um, within the realms of this non-compete or comply with the terms of the non-compete, and that is not true uh, within the state of Illinois. Same thing, if you don't work for that employer for two years continuously, um, that non-compete does not work. And the third thing is that there must be some sort of consideration when you enter into that non-compete. So I know some, uh, I have some people that, that um, try to, some clients that try to have their, their um, clients sign non-competes after they've been working for a year, for two years, and there's no consideration behind it. Understand that every contract has to have consideration. So whether you're, you're paying them a bonus in, in return for them signing the non-compete, whether you are um, giving them a raise or, or giving them a promotion. There has to be something and um, some people try to have continued employment as consideration. That's not adequate consideration for signing a non-compete clause. So make sure that you are drafting these non-compete clauses uh, very, very uh, effectively in, in a manner in which they're valid because you don't want someone to go out there and to take the trade secrets, take all the knowledge that they learn while working with you and go and benefit another competitor in the market. <coughs> One quick question before we go to break. I just want to make sure that I appropriately understood this. If I am an at-will employee, mm -hmm. let's say I'm like a consultant. Right. So consultants can just kind of like, consultants are sales. Right. Period. Yeah. But, uh, but consultants can still be held to non-compete clauses. Right. Right. So they totally can. So yeah. let's say I work for a, let's say I work for like a center. Yep. Something like that. And I've been with them for two years. Right. But they fire me. Mm -hmm. Does the non-compete clause is it still applicable? So a few things. One, it, it depends on why they fired you, because if they fired you without cause, then that non-compete is very hard to uphold. If they fired you for uh, performance-related uh, reasons, then they if, they, if it was for two years, if there was adequate, adequate consideration, if it's limited to time, geographic scope, and services, then yes, they would have uh, the ability to uphold that clause. Once again, this has been Legally Binding brought to you by Jackson Corporate Law. For more information, visit our website www.jacksoncorporatelaw.com. And of course, don't forget to follow us on all forms of social media and subscribe to our podcast so that you can receive updates on each newly released episode. Until next time, we wish you continued success in life and in business.